Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. All right, let's get into it. It's uh, it's 101, guy, and it's a Monday, and that means that you and I do trading spaces live on Twitter spaces. These spaces are sponsored by CME Group, who is the sponsor of our On the Tape podcast that drops Friday in the podcast stores. We had a great one last week. Actually, if you're on trading spaces right now, that means you like trading and you like looking at individual stocks. We had... Jeff Richards. Guy, give us your take on, on that conversation with Jeff. That was great. It was, you know, what I, my biggest takeaway was his time frames, right? It, you know, obviously we do a show called Fast Money and we're focused on basically the minute to minutes that different stocks are trading at. He's obviously not focused on that. He's focused on three, five, ten year time horizons. So, you know, price doesn't concern him as much as it would a lot of people. So just one of the questions I asked him was, how is he able to calm his mind in a world where we live second to second? And, you know, he's just able to do it. And I was just fascinated in terms of the mindset and stuff. So I thought it was a really yeah. interesting conversation, one worth listening to for sure. Yeah, it was great. Um, here's another thing, a little programming announcement. Guy and I are going to be doing, we do a video on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays called Market Call. It's live at 11 usually. We did it today at 11, but we're going to do it today at 5 p.m. Eastern. Check out our Twitter. We tweeted it out. There's a link there to our YouTube, but there's also a link to Open Exchange, who is our partner. We're going to be doing that Monday through Thursday this week at 5 to 5.30. We are going to be doing Market Call, and it's going to be just, it's kind of like this conversation, but it's going to be visual, and we're going to have charts, and we're going to have a couple guests this week, and then we're going to do it again next week, Monday through Friday, um, at 5 o'clock to 5.30. So that's Market Call. It's at MKT Call on Twitter, and all the information will be there. But definitely check that out today. Um, Fast Money, CNBC's Fast Money, is dark, unfortunately, and we love doing it, but they're covering the Olympics for the next couple of weeks, starting at 5 o'clock. So we're going to do Market Call at 5 o'clock. What do you think about that guy? I think it's great. You know, this is could be potentially for the busier week first half of this year in terms of some earnings this week, CPI on Thursday, just a lot of things that market participants will be looking at. And, we, you know, people, so I figured why not? There's a void. Let's fill that void, Dan. That's – 100% the case. All right. Speaking of voids, um, we're going to talk about some of these gaps. I mean, guy, look at what's going on right now in Facebook. The stock is down 5% on the day after it had that gap. What was that on Thursday of like 25 or 27%? It closed down. It's making a new low today, which I think is really interesting. Just so you know, uh, before earnings, guy, it closed that day, okay, uh, on the 2nd. It closed at 323. All right. And it opened the next day. You ready for this? It opened the next day at 244 and closed at 237. And here we are right now at 225. I mean, that is pretty astounding. You know, just that sort of move, a 30% move in a few trading days here. What is it? What is your take that, you know, a lot of people have that three day rule after a big gap lower? Well, is today the day? 
Well, I thought it was last week. You know, I thought we'd have volume capitulation. But is today the day? Well, I'll just give you a quick one. I think it was January of 2020. I want to say the January 24th or so, maybe earlier, where Facebook at the time made a new all-time high of about 224, 225 or so. And look where we are now. So prior resistance becomes support. Stock has already traded 51 million shares today, which is two times normal volume at 12 at one o'clock. So today could absolutely be the day. But I got to tell you something. Um, that's just levels to trade around. Facebook has issues clearly and they're manifesting itself in this sell off. So, you know, maybe that move and you said this offline, but, you know, maybe they knew something when they changed the name of the company from Facebook to Meta. Maybe they realized that things were slowing down in a meaningful way. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Another company that for a couple quarters has been signaling that things have been slowing down is PayPal. And that's about after it hit this huge gap last week. Also, I think it was about 25%. That thing is about ready to make new um, new 52-week lows. So I just think it's interesting. Netflix had tried to fill in some of its huge 25% gap from two weeks ago, down 3% today. It had that rally when Bill Ackman of Pershing Square took a 3 million share stake. And then there was kind of some other chatter. I think Reed Hastings bought some stock. So it's actually, it kind of ripped and now it's coming back in so you know i see square down four and a half percent it's like it feels to me guy that this is not over that's just that big kind of selling and, and amazon getting back to 3200 when it was trading as high as what was it trading 3700 earlier i don't know six or seven months ago that's not so bullish to me i don't know i mean well i mean the point i made about amazon listen 3775 i think was the all-time point i made on the amazon earnings call last week was like look the stock reaction is great but if you look at the quarter and more importantly the guidance was such that you know the market probably got itself really off sides remember it was the day before that facebook reported their disaster so people are probably pairing out of their amazon maybe some people getting short so i think people got themselves way off sides in that name number one and number two, you know, it just got back to the levels, as I pointed out, that we were trading two or three weeks ago. And we're still sort of mired in this range we've been in since since June. If I want to say, if you really want to get down to it, since July of 2020 or so. So yeah. nothing's really changed here. It was a great stock reaction, but where does it get us? It really doesn't get us anywhere. Well, yet. so talk about filling in a positive gap. Um, we had Google rallied. I think it made a new brief all-time high after its quarter on the second. It traded 30.30. Right now we're at 28.06. It's basically... It's almost filled in the entire gap, guy. On the day before its earnings on February 1st, the stock closed at 27.52, and it opened at the all-time high, like I just said, um, at 30.30, okay? And now the stock is trading at 28.06, so it's filled in most of that gap. What's your take here? Because, listen, that was a great quarter. I think of all the quarters that we saw, I think Amazon, I think we could all say the quarter and guidance were not stellar by any means. The stock was just massively oversold. But Google put up a really good quarter, and it's filled in the gap. So what does that say to you about tech right here? The problem with Google is, again, you know, it got up to that level, and it just seems to fail. And this is, by the way, to your point, Dan, this goes back to, I want to say, November of last year. So what is that, three yeah. and a half, four months? It's traded up to these levels a number of times, failed each time. What does it say to me about tech? Well, other than, 
effectively now Apple, which has bounced from that 157 level, you're starting to give it up a little bit here. And if Amazon were just start to sort of do the slide that was doing prior, obviously Facebook can't get out of its own way. You lose Microsoft, you potentially lose uh, a Netflix. And, and what does it say? I will tell you, it says the NDX, which never validated that, you know, an all-time high. It never sort of validated the move the S&P was saying. You know, if that starts to break down, I think the broader market follows, and the broader market in the form of the S&P 500. All right, let's talk about the broader rate market here, guys. So we had that jobs number, the January jobs number, which was huge, and they had a huge revision up higher for December. Um, I think uh, caught a lot of people off guard. Um, the stock market at first didn't know what to make of it because they were like, all right, well, that means it just reinforces the Fed's path right here. Rates ripped. You saw the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield get above 1.9%. You've been calling for 2% for a while. Um, you know, let's not split hairs here. We're almost there. I suspect we get there. What's your take? We know we have the CPI print coming on Thursday, all right? Let's say we have a rip-roaring hot number. Um, what, do, what do yields do? Yeah, I think they're going to continue the path, right? I mean, the, the other side of that coin is, you know, what is the market not expecting? And we talked about this on market call. The market's clearly not expecting or looking for a CPI with a six handle. In other words, you know, 6.7, 6.8. The whisper out there seems to be 7.3. We will see. I think anything with a seven handle that's below seven and a half, and I don't think that's going to be market moving. I think it's something with a six handle. Then it gets into, did the Fed retire transitory too quick? And did they top ticket in terms of inflation? And will they continue on this course of action? So if that's the case, I would imagine the market rallies on the back of that, thinking the Fed will change course. I would submit um, that I could see that happening, but I don't think the Fed is changing course. So any rally on the back of that, it's my belief, will be short-lived. Yeah, it's interesting that, you you know, talking about inflation, we really got to keep an eye on what companies are saying, right? Um, and listen, it's been my view all during earnings season that if you're a company and you don't have great visibility and let's say your quarter was just okay, you know, you don't really want to give aggressive guidance in this environment, especially the way they're kind of shooting you. But by the same token, you want to give the sort of guidance where they're going to take you out to the woodshed and really shoot you like we were just talking about. Um, you know, GM was interesting because we know that they have issues, you know, with with supply chains and getting, um, you know, chips and they're they're spending a lot to build out their EV ambitions. Um, but they did say that they're starting to see some of the supply chain issues abate a little bit. And, you know, I'm just curious what your take is, because this stock has gone from 67 at the start of January down to like $51 here. And if it's, if the supply chain issues are about to abate and they can start producing more cars and demand is still there, you'd think that would be a good setup for GM, especially as the stock over the last year has had really good support at this kind of $49, $50 level. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, to me, now that through earnings, I mean, GM, it comes down to, you know, what are you willing to pay for a company that's going to, you know, probably earn close to eight dollars in earnings or so. What's the right multiple? And you know, again, I, I, I'm not suggesting it should trade at a market multiple by any stretch, but you know, you give it half a market multiple, and you're talking about a stock that should be trading north of seventy-five, eighty dollars. And I'll stand, you know, I'll stand by that. I've said it for a while. And by the way, to your point, there was a period of time where it looked like that was inevitable, and obviously, the stock got whacked. A lot of it on their own doing. Ford has subsequently sold off a bit as well. I think the market is um, looking backwards, though, and not looking forwards in this case because 
you know, the problems for both GM and Ford are known. The question is, you know, what does the future hold for them in the EV space? And I think it's bright. And even if it's not as great as people want it to be, still you got to own these stocks, both of them on valuation, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Guy, and just to push back a little bit, I mean, they did a little more than $7 a share last year. They're expected right now to do 7 this year. So if they were to come in at $8 a share, um, you know, fine, you get more than a, a 7 and a half multiple where it's trading right now. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I could get, like, you know, again, I, I think 80 is a stretch. What do you got going on there? You're moving something around. It's I'm not, I'm sitting here. I'm not, no, you're I'm not. not moving. No, Amanda, I'm... Amanda, you definitely move something around. Um, you know, the Ford is kind of interesting because that just had a parabolic move. It looks very different than GM, and it didn't take much to get that stock. I mean, before they announced earnings guy, when they talked about some production difficulties for some of the same things we were talking about, you know, it kind of gave back a lot of that early Jan move. And now, now it's below that consolidation level that started in early November after it ramped and broke out to a new 52-week high. I mean, this chart seems very broken to me, to be honest with you. And this is one that I played on the long side a couple times last year. Um, I'm just curious if if there's – we're starting to see a lot of dispersion in the stock market. Could we see that in within a group like the autos? Um, because they've kind of traded in lockstep a little bit for the um, last yeah, couple it's, of years. Yeah, it's amazing. So Ford traded up to 2587 or so, and it looked like it was going to continue to grind. Now the stock has a 17 handle, which you can do the math. I mean, percentage-wise, it's a huge move in a short period of time. You know, now you got to say, like, where's there going to be support? And, you know, in terms of Ford, I go back and look. The high we made in June of last year was about 16 bucks. before then it cratered into the fall down to 12 and a half, 13. So, again, past resistance in the form of 16 becomes support. I'd be shocked if it got there. But, you know, these days, Dan, nothing surprises me. And, you know, you just said it. The stock looks broken right now. Yeah. Um, what about uh, semis? You know, um, they are obviously at the core of what we're talking about a little bit here as it relates to kind of these OEMs getting product here. You know, the SMH pulled back guy. I mean, it pulled back at the lows in late January, almost to the lows in October. If you just draw a horizontal line, it really stopped where it was kind of supposed to. I think Carter actually um, went out with the call then to buy semis. Had a nice little bounce. Oh, my goodness. If you look at the August low and then the October low and then the low from late January, literally, as Carter says, to the penny here. So that level was about 240, 250, guy, 250. And here we are, 275. Five. Yeah. So a 10% bounce, I can do that math. What's your take here? Because, um, again, are we likely to see a bit of a little consolidation? And are there any names that you still really like as kind of, um, you know, just kind of breaking them out a little bit? I think it was two Fridays ago that he put that piece out on Twitter. He subsequently talked about it, I think, on Options Action that Friday night. And he was, I mean, he couldn't have timed it any better in terms of the subsequent move. So Carter's work is always worth uh, looking at Let's what do what I think? I think, look, I think the valuations, you got to find names that make sense on valuation. And I'll say again, you know, Qualcomm had a monster move. It's obviously fallen on hard times like the rest of some of these names. But I think if you're looking for names that make sense on valuation, I think Qualcomm absolutely does. And I'll also mention AMD. You know, you look at the quarter they just put up and the huge move lower that that stock saw. I didn't think it would get as low as it did, but it did. And now it's bounced. So, I think Qualcomm on valuation, I think AMD and growth, and maybe even NVIDIA has sold off enough where you can take a look there. 
You know what I like in the semi-space guy? I like the idea of, I know that you mentioned this, and if there was any kind of dust up with China and Taiwan after the Olympics, I mean, I think that there's a couple, I think AMAT benefits, they make equipment, you know, that makes semiconductors. And I think AMAT, you know, went from, I don't know, 165 or 167 actually, down to about 130 at its lows a week and a half ago, a little below that intraday. And I think this thing back in that range between 130 and 140 sets up really nicely. I think they probably benefit either way um, where, you know, a lot of these, you know, fabs and, and these um, contract manufacturers and um, uh, like guys like Taiwan Semi, I think they probably look to diversify so away from China makes, and Taiwan. This, this is going to make no sense, but and, it, and I'm not saying there's any correlation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But if you look at AMAT and if you were to overlay a Russell chart in the form of the IWM, it's literally uh -oh. exactly the same chart. It's been sideways uh, since the fall. You had a false breakout uh, since the fall of last, you know, year and a half or so ago. You had this false breakout this November and then a subsequent sell off. It's remarkable how close they look. But in terms of AMAT as a story, I'm with you. And I thought when we finally got through and started breaking out, we were set up to take the next leg higher. That was incorrect, but I'm with you on AMAT. I think it looks really interesting here. Yeah, what about Taiwan Semiconductor? If this thing gets hit, if there's... Listen, I, you know, here, let's just talk about this for one second, okay? And, and you've rightly pointed this out, is that, you know, one of the first big meetings that we saw at the Olympics was Putin and, and Xi, and, and they were showing solidarity, and they both back each other in, in their aggressions versus their neighbors, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I just... I guess I feel like... You know, as long as I've been doing this guy, when we can point to some sort of geopolitical thing that, that might happen, it usually doesn't, at least through the lens of the markets, it doesn't end up being like a significant event one way or another. Now, there's definitely more single stock risk than, than markets. And in, in, so I'm just curious of like what you think of like a company like Taiwan Semi, which obviously has operations in Taiwan and in China and, you know, a semi manufacturing company that they get outsourced from a lot, some of the biggest manufacturers or from the biggest semi companies on the planet, how, how does a name like this shake out? Because it had this huge breakout earlier in the year. They said they were going to spend $30 billion on CapEx. Investors liked it. The stock went to 145 from 125 and now here it is back at 122 Yeah, it's, it's still in that same range, you know, that sideways range basically since January of 2021. Again, a name that's effectively gone sideways, albeit with that one breakout to the upside. But I think you've said it. I think you can make a pretty compelling case for TSM on valuation. What I will say, and you're right, typically the market, you know, gets gets itself in a lather about some of these geopolitical risks and they never come to fruition. And I'll never use the term it's different this time because it makes me effing crazy. But there's clearly something going on between Russia and China. And I've said for months leading up to it, now here we are a week or so away or a week and a half or so away. Post Olympics, I think the shit's going to hit the fan and it's going to manifest itself in a number of different ways. I think one of the ways it's going to manifest itself in is the um, oil continuing to go higher. And maybe you could see this bizarre flight to quality in the form of Treasury yields going lower and the U.S. dollar going higher, which would really, I think, um, make it difficult for people to figure out what's going on. But I do think something's going to happen post Olympics. And I hope I'm wrong. I just don't think that I am. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's great to have it out there and think about it that way. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, like, you know, markets are clearly on edge here in the U.S. And anything that would cause further supply chain disruptions or further push out of growth, 
is an issue for the markets because that's what they're really, it feels like um, that's what they're contending with right now. You know what I mean? Um, so here's one guy for you, the Bitcoin. And, and, and listen, people, you guys better stay tuned because Guy Adami and I, we're going to do something. Maybe, maybe we'll do it live soon but guy is gonna buy some crypto it's i'm gonna, gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the application store first and I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get a coinbase account and then i'm gonna come home and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna do this this is gonna be fascinating and guy and i were talking about it so I, it could break the decentralized internet um who knows I don't do know i need to get a dou or something or a, a, a dow no you need a dap that's a decentralized app um, but let's talk about the Bitcoin here for a second, because it's having a heck of a rally here. And, you know, I, you know, through the lens of the, the equity markets, there's not too many that you can play, um, you know, but this this Coinbase has had a, a little bit of a bounce. It broke down guy below um, 210. OK, and that had been support until just the end of January and, and Bitcoin started to crater. And the thing had been, you know, at a high above 350 just in November. And this Bitcoin chart. Um, is interesting. It broke that downtrend, and and the the Coinbase has not broken its downtrend yet, and is below that past support is now resistance. Curious your take on just what's Let's going go. on with Bitcoin and related equities, guy. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I thought Bitcoin, and I've said this on this platform. We said a Marco. I thought we'd get down to thirty one thousand, and I think it printed down to what thirty three and change or so. Close so yeah. Close enough for government work, I guess, but it didn't get there. Now here we are, some you know eleven thousand dollars higher. The volatility is a characteristic, not a bug. Um, what I will say again is, you know, the, the volatility is your friend here in crypto and Coinbase, which Mark Mahaney called, he thinks they're going to be the bank of the metaverse. You know, I'm sort of with him on this. I'm shocked that it broke two twenty, which had been support for a long time uh, all through the spring into the summer of last year before it took a leg higher i think i think if i'm not mistaken coinbase got to 350 or so actually got higher than that it got above 375 but i think it trades back to 220 and then we'll have a conversation but in terms of bitcoin i think it's going to sort of slow down here and and not necessarily fail but back off i'm curious as to your thoughts yeah, I think so, too. I mean, listen, uh, you know, you throw Ethereum in there, throw some of these other layer one, you know, protocols in there. I, I feel like, you know, it's it's they're not going to be bottom, you know, just the way that they just, you know, like it consolidates. Then, it you know, it has legs lower. And, and we've seen that the fact that it started to rally over the weekend and break that uptrend is I don't know. To me, it's not particularly bullish. I will say that it, it seems to me that a lot of traders or investors are, are viewing it as a very correlated risk asset to high valuation tech right now. So, you know, not exactly serving the purpose that a lot of people think it's meant to do. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was picking last week, you know, for a week on the way down and, um, we'll see. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm actually not into Bitcoin, um, at, at all. I'm not, I don't find it the least bit interesting, um, personally. So I'm more of an Ethereum and a Solana guy. Um, guy, I gotta ask you this. We didn't, we didn't mention this, um, when we were talking about rates, do you see the move in, um, in housing stocks in, in the home builders mm -hmm. pretty startling? I mean, they got absolutely slammed when rates started to rocket, um, a little bit. What does it mean to you? Is is it more about rates and where the uh, thirty year mortgages, or does it mean something bigger? I mean, lumber has been rallying. I don't know if you noticed this, but lumber is like limit up or was limit up like for the third day in a row. Definitely off of its highs, but starting to move back up a little bit. The move in lumber. I mean, you had it called the fact that you thought it would do a complete 
round trip last year, and that's exactly what happened. But here it is back on the horse. I think that's one, one component of it. Again, that prior resistance becomes support, and I think we're going to get there. And by the way, this was a stock that I think was just $75, I want to say, a month and a half or so ago. So Man. I think what you're bringing up is a really good point. Very quietly, these names are getting sort of bashed. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's get out of here. Your mic is a disaster. I love you to death. We could only hear like a third of that. Um, um, but that's no, okay. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be back Wednesday at trading spaces, but here guys today, five o'clock Eastern guy and I are going to be doing on video with graphics, like all these things that we're talking about. We're going to go deeper into some of this stuff. We're going to show you some charts. We're going to go back and forth. The audio will be much better. The video will be excellent and powered by our friends at Open Exchange. So check it out today at 5. Amanda's going to put the thing in the space right now. Um, just, 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 just to wrap up here, Guy. I mean, I think the price action in Google, Facebook, and Netflix today, really bad. I don't think Amazon up 1% or Apple unchanged is particularly, um, you know, particularly useful here. Um, so I don't like it. Um, I think we probably go back and test a little bit here. Um, I don't know. Anything to take us out with? Well, I mean, apparently I, I can't tell if my mic is working. It's or not, not well. Just, not well. So the take us out is I'll fix my phone and we'll talk at 5 o'clock. All right, buddy. Thanks, Guy Dami. Thank you guys all for being here. Be at Market Call. You can follow it at MKT Call. We'll be on together at 5. It'll be hot. It won't have any of the issues that we had here today. But we're going to go deeper on some stuff. So thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Thanks. Bye.